What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, this is going to be about a bit of a... Um, it's something that I didn't realize people weren't talking about. It is something that is very glaringly obvious that is hitting like a great, great big shining red light with the new CBA that's coming up and uh, with uh, NBA free agency coming up in the new league year. Um, now is a good time to talk about the things that were altered. And very specifically, in my view, we need to start talking about one specific thing in regard to the salary cap, and it's not this second apron thing. Um, before I start in on that, I need to give a primer. My dad was uh, part of a, a union, um, newspaper union, and was for 35, 36 years, as long as he was working in the newspaper business. And uh, he was also union president and all this stuff, so I've got that in my background, in my blood. And one of the things that he always told us is that you don't give something unless you're, you, you never give up anything because you'll never get it back. And you never, um, negotiate anything without a plan, without a backup. Um, people have been saying, uh, about this new CBA once it was signed uh, that it was perplexing that, that that there was why would the union essentially agree to a hard cap and you know even with what I'm going to be talking about today it's still um, quite a thing to be giving up for something for a players union that is so steadfast against the concept of a hard salary cap and has been a very red line that they have drawn in every contract negotiation the uh, the the hard cap element was a fight among owners, and and a little history here. This wasn't about the players. This was a group of owners who were very upset at the uh, certain teams like the Clippers and the the Warriors and uh, teams like that who were openly flouting the 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 luxury tax thing. Um, and, and being in even as much as it was feeding into the, uh, the, the, the league revenue share, um, it was, it was, you had owners who were just very upset at these teams that were just accruing these huge tax bills and pay, paying them and staying competitive. There is a spirit that was needed to be adhered to and this negotiation with the union was partially done to punish certain owners for uh going against the spirit of the cba um and this is what happens when you're in any club right you can get turned on um and um joe lakeup and steve balmer and all these guys were 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 targeted because of this this wasn't necessarily about the players union this was this was about the owners who are super rich being able to pay you know enormous tax bills that uh other owners specifically some small market owners uh couldn't pay um and and that's not wasn't this wasn't like uh a hard and fast market thing okay Lest we lest we uh, confuse this situation, the hard cap penalizes well put together 
drafted teams. And there's no real incentive for small market owners to want to break up teams that they draft, right? The whole you can't pay everyone thing. Um, the NBA owners, specifically one, you know, Stanley Kroenke, has wanted a hard cap for since his, the time he was owning the Denver Nuggets. And had, that has been part of his uh, point of view the entire time that he, he has been processing, you know, aside from the time that he wasn't able to be a part of the owner's situation because he of uh, rules in the NFL. So any concept of the quote unquote second apron um, is completely amongst owner amongst owner. That's always been a battle revenue sharing and uh, hard cap and, 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 you know, look, the second apron isn't a hard cap as we've seen with the Phoenix suns, they've blown by the second apron is like, if you're going to, what would they, what's the, what's the saying this is like, if you're going to give an inch, you might as well take a mile. Well, you know, they've taken a mile because they're going to be paying that much anyway. So you might as well get deep into the the, the uh, second apron luxury tax if you're going to uh, uh, do it, right? If you're going to go that high, you might as well hit the limits. So as we've gone through, you know, and all the analysis of, of this CBA that's come out has been really kind of interesting in that it, it has ignored the one provision that I think is going to start affecting teams and and maybe a point of contention among owners um, once we see the full effect of this and if there's something that owners hate it is had is a dictate something dictating how little they can spend okay people misunderstand a lot of different things but there are there is a group of owners and this is what affects small market owners is that they do not like the concept of the salary floor, uh, have never liked it. And some owners and GMs who are uh, fond of rebuilds and retooling teams have flouted that particular restriction. So you have two different points of view amongst NBA owners. There is the there is the the punishing the people who are flouting the the uh, the second the second level of the salary cap that was in the last CBA, very specifically the Warriors and the and the uh, Clippers, and then there's the other end, which are small market, uh, big market owners looking at small market owners saying, um, "You are going to have to spend as much as we spend. There has to be a floor." And this has always been a battle. Now, here's where the players' union comes in. And this is probably what their thinking was. Um, I, I, I am still not sure what they were thinking with the second apron thing. I think that was, you know, any NBA player was would want to have uh, as un, a team with unlimited resources paying them as much as possible. The NBA has got ridiculous rules with, uh, you know, they've got the ridiculous rules with caps and caps on players and tiers and all this stuff. You know, you need to have three law degrees in order to really be able to figure out every element of the NBA cap um, and its sub caps. But 
they, 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 caps aren't good for middle class players. Um, there are more middle class players in the NBA than there are stars. Than 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 there are terrible players or minimum contract players. There is more middle class players in the NBA, and that isn't true of every sports league. The middle class of every league is the biggest part of every league. Um, in in the NFL, the middle class gets squeezed because they have non guaranteed guaranteed contracts and. Um, and it's the only league where non-guaranteed contracts, as a rule, can work. Uh, because there's, you know, I hate saying this, but players are a dime a dozen in the NBA. Or, excuse me, in the NFL. You can easily replace a middle guy who's making $2 million. Um, you can easily replace those guys. Because there's, it's the most popular sport in the land. And everyone, you know, knows someone who plays football. Um, doesn't necessarily work with basketball. Basketball is elite. You couldn't do non-guaranteed contracts in, in the NBA. Um, that whole concept works with the fact with based on the fact that I can cut you and I can find someone behind you who can give you give me equivalent value. Um, the NBA is the most elite sports club in the entire country. You can't do what these people do. You can't easily replace them. That's why teams rebuild, and they have to rebuild through the, um, getting, hopefully getting a transcendent player. It is, it is the way these things work out. So the, the, you couldn't necessarily do something you know that will that will be that will be the, the focus of the star players, and the star players get their money. And in every league, they get their money. Um, and the minimum contract players are largely taken up by rookies. And the occasional player on the vet minimum, right? Most NBA players are going to be basically in the area of what Bruce Brown earned this year. You know, you're going to get those $6 million to whatever players. Those are the players that uh, will largely got get squeezed by a hard cap the middle class is always the one that takes the brunt and the the goal is to make it minimum maximum and that's usually what the cap wants you to do but in the nba you can't do that because the nba has caps on maximum salary so uh and the sport that needs that is football they need the tiered system that the nba has um, in the NBA, I would wager because stars matter more in the NBA, you need a, uh, a, a, a different more, maybe not NFL based on, you know, the, um, maybe a hard cap with no individual salary caps, you know, um, no tiers, no, no aggregated salary based on what you previously made, which is why the Nuggets are likely to lose Bruce Brown. So all this to pre prepare you for the other thing that that was went under the radar and i'm going to talk more in extensively about it in the second half of the podcast but i'll mention it right now the nba very quietly hardened the salary floor which is the salary floor is you have to spend 90% of uh the actual cap you know you can't 
hoard your cap space. Basically, you can't just sit around and field a terrible team and um, um, not pay anyone, you know, which has always been a bone of contention with the players union. So what the, the ended up happening, and this is something that is so flown under the radar that I am actually surprised that we haven't had more mention of this. And I do know that I believe the Hoop Collective, maybe Tim Bontemps maybe mentioned it, but it was only in passing. And it's that the NBA has hardened the salary floor to such an extent you're going to have every single team in the same bar ballpark. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk to you about why that matters and who that affects and how the NBA Players Union likely traded this off for the second apron. We'll get to that right after the break. As I said before, NBA owners hate the concept of a salary floor. The salary floor is anathema to every single owner and every single professional sports. I mean, the NBA has one, the NFL has one, uh, the Major League Baseball does not have one, but they do have uh, tax mechanisms. And uh, NHL, I'm not sure. I think they have one, but it's I don't know how stringent it is. But the NBA has always had some variant of a salary floor, and it was really, by the time you get to 2012, it started hardening up a bit. Um, a previous CBA, all the teams that had to do, you would, you, you would just have to pay players a bonus to get to the salary floor, right? And some teams were openly, you know, much like the, the high-end... Um, uh, teams that were flouting the, the cap. They had teams that were basically waiting until the absolute last minute during the season to sign a bunch of minimum contracts to get them to the salary floor so they wouldn't have to distribute more salary in the form of bonuses to players on their roster. So, uh, a, insert terrible team A, would you notice they would make a bunch of minimum signings through the year with players who never probably never saw the, the floor the and they would do that for the purpose largely of getting to the salary floor by the time you reach the end of the season and this was something that has gone on and in fact has gone on largely the last you know 10 10 12 years since the lockout in 2011 so the, the the NBA always had this kind of nebulous. Yeah, you got some teams that are are just kind of floating around below the salary floor, but they'll get up there by the time the year ends, or if they just barely miss it, they'll you know obviously players get bonuses. Well, this year the NBA decided to harden that up by by if you are not at the salary floor. By the beginning of the season, you will not be able to participate in the revenue sharing of the league when the league doles out the, the, the payments at the end of the year. So essentially, the league is saying you will spend 90% of the cap by the time you have a team that goes into the season. The NBA has never had this before. And I can hear you saying, like, why does this matter, Jeff? Well, 
it opens up a lot of the market for players. So there were rumors that, uh, and I don't know how true they were, but the rumors that the you know teams like the Houston Rockets maybe were looking to sign Fred VanVleet to two years, eighty million dollars. So it's like forty million dollars a year. Well, one of the reasons you you have a situation like that is that they need to use the cap space. They they need to get up to ninety percent of the cap, and you will see more and more contracts like that. Not not long term, but short term money doled out to players. Now, this was likely, I don't know for sure, but this was likely the trade-off for the second apron. I can see, and I don't know what happened, but I can see players saying, okay, we'll give you your second your second apron penalty, hard pseudo hard cap. You're going to make the salary floor a, a penalty so big that teams will have to get to 90% of the cap. And they can't go into the year below the cap, before the, below the floor. And it's very, very interesting how this is going to pay, pay off. Because this is going to, in my view, affect the player salaries more than the second apron. Most teams will not go into the second apron. The, the the we have a new media rights deal that's coming up here. The cap is going to go up. The NBA finally had a full year of two full years of basketball without COVID affecting it, and now you're going to see the cap go up, and it's probably going to go up pretty substantially for the new league year. Well, when you get the new media rights deal. The NBA is going to want the smoothing to happen like they they wanted in 2016. But there is going to be a, even with smoothing, there's going to be a substantial jump each year in the new new media rights uh, deal with the cap. So the players union probably looked at that and saying there are going to be teams who have to spend. If there is a player that just wants a payday, these teams are going to have to sign players. They can't sit around and wait and wait and wait and then sign a bunch of minimum contract guys in order to get up to a um, a salary floor that wasn't easily enforced. This is a heavily no one no team no team wants to be especially if they're a smaller market team. They don't want to lose out on the revenue sharing. And I can see bigger market teams looking at that and saying, yes, this is exactly what you're going to be doing. We're not going, if you, if you dip below this, you don't get your revenue payment, which I'm sure stings some teams. I'm sure some teams are very, very upset about this. Um, and it's going to be more fascinating to see because of the time frame now. So basically between July 1st, and in September, when you know things start going down, or I think it's October when the season begins, um, you're going to have to be at 90% of the cap. If you are a team that's hovering around the floor, you have to sign play enough players to uh, and give them salary enough to get them get yourself to 90% of the cap. So inevitably, what this is going to do, and and the floors always affect. Floors always affect contracts more than ceilings do. As I said before, most teams don't will not be going into the second apron. 
Um, so obviously there was always going to be a pseudo cap on some teams um, before they were even even thinking about entering into that cap territory. So if you have a player such as Jeff Green, and I, I, I'm going to leave out Bruce Brown from this equation for a second. If you have a player like Jeff Green who may or may not want one more contract, there's going may probably will be some team that says like I need to get up to the salary floor. Can I give Jeff Green 10 million dollars to mentor my young roster? So Houston, San Antonio, uh, maybe even Oklahoma City, all these these teams that are exceedingly young and probably need some veterans on the roster. You know, you you, you could see that. Um, uh, you know, Bruce Brown is due a mid-level exception or up, and I tend to think once he hits the market, it'll be above mid-level exception. Um, you you will see you know another team you'll see a Houston you'll see some of these teams offering bigger contracts because they want now Bruce Brown is in a different ter- territory he is entering his prime um and often and you know Bruce Brown only works I think in in on a contending team which is why I'm sure the Nuggets are heavily counting on the fact that he did play so well with the Denver Nuggets as a as a motivation to do forego a big payday now and hope for one later. Um, but he, you know, he is a guy that is going to be valuable to certain younger teams. Um, but he will probably be most valuable to competitive teams that want to win, i.e. the way that he won, as I said before, with the Denver Nuggets. So, um, his situation is a little different, but a guy like Jeff Green, a guy like even DeAndre Jordan, yeah, I can see a team just saying like, "Look, you want to you want a one year payday? Uh, we need something to fill out our roster because we have to hit the salary, the salary floor, and you know, a player's going to have to decide. Yeah, I mean, if I'll do that. So what's going to happen is likely a lot of older veteran players are going to get one year paydays because teams not now can't float around before below the uh the uh salary floor and hoard their cap space during the year they can't they can't do that anymore they have to they have to do it before the season starts so it's going to be fascinating at least in i mean i don't know if you find this fascinating but it's going to be fascinating to me to see how teams handle this because the NBA's never had a hard floor before, but this is about as hard a floor as the NBA's ever had before. And I think that if we look this look at this with a uh, objective eye, we can see the maybe the compromise or the motivation that players union has with being able to somewhat preserve the uh somewhat of the middle class um not in terms of long-term contracts but maybe short-term contracts and being able to help a team hit the salary floor there's going to always be those teams that really want to hit that and um and it also is going to have a side effect on teams that want to dump contracts 
i.e. what maybe what the uh, uh, Atlanta Hawks just did, which was a total salary dump when they took when they uh, uh, sent John Collins to uh, Utah for uh, a trade exception, big trade exception. Um, so obviously, you know, that's not going to affect them because they're still above the floor. But it's like you can't just dump salary and not get up to the floor. Your your previous salary is not going to protect you going into the year from penalties that you would incur from not hitting the floor. The NBA has said you will not participate in the revenue sharing program if you miss the floor, which is a huge penalty. And I'm sure big market owners and the players union were like, okay, you want this cap. You want this cap. Okay. We got to make the floor just as hard. And it's going to play out in a fascinating, absolutely fascinating way. I don't necessarily think this year is going to be the year that we see the severity of what's going on. I think that will happen in 2024 um, when some of the penalties on the on the second apron start to hit and people uh, go through this, oh, shit moment when they said, like, we, we got to hit the cap floor. So... It's going to take a year. It's going to take a year to figure out where how teams will handle this. You, you know, CBAs usually go for seven years. So it usually takes them about year three to finally get a handle on everything. And these things are being phased in, of course, too. So I'm going to, you know, this is something to watch, folks. This is, this is uh, an underreported thing. And I think if we... Um, I don't know why they didn't. I mean, I'll be honest with you. In all the coverage of this, I just don't know why people didn't talk more about the hard floor. That's really going to affect teams. It really is going to affect teams and and their their attempts to hoard cap space. It's just going to be amazing. So anyway, thank you all for joining me uh, for the latest Mortcast. Uh, and uh, the free agency stuff will actually start on Thursday night. Uh, 10 p.m. is generally when we start hearing about these contracts. Uh, so uh, I'm not due another Mortcast until Friday. Uh, I may just record one on Friday uh, rather than what I usually do and record the night before. So uh, yeah, I'll uh, see what I can do with uh, that. I'll probably record something sometime for the afternoon on Friday. Uh, be sure, if you are interested in what I'm doing, to check out the Gen X show, which is my second podcast. I tweet about that on jmorton78, which is going to be my primary location for the Gen X show, um, which is my personal account and my the CSG account, CSG underscore network on Twitter, uh, is where you'll find uh, the, the, everything stays there with the, uh, with the CSGs. So go ahead and follow that. Appreciate everyone who has listened to uh, us for the last 12 years, and uh, we're still going strong, folks. So, anyway, thank you all for joining me on the latest podcast. We'll be back on Friday with another episode.